Howdy. Everybody says. Everybody usually says good morning, so I said howdy this time. Howdy. How's everybody doing? I like when pe- individual people answer like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's like individual answers. Uh, it was good to see everybody. I'm so glad that everybody chose Bethesda to be their church this morning. That's awesome, man. Uh, I hope that you continue to make that decision, and um, uh, we're just glad to have you here. Um, so, welcome. Uh, this week, we're going to be starting a new series called Evangelism, uh, Becoming All Things to All People. And in this series, we're going to be uh, learning together about what it means to bring people to Christ by becoming all things, by uh, gaining common ground with others, by, um, you know, just being able to adapt to how people are, um, you know, finding some kind of commonality between two people, and learn how to use that to get people to Christ. And so that's what we're going to be learning, and uh, today we'll talk... Uh, in detail about um, the need to belong, the need to belong. Uh, in my job, I get to meet new and interesting people all the time, uh, people who have had really good lives, and then there's people who have had really terrible, traumatic lives. Um, some people have been, you know, uh, kidnapped, uh, beaten, uh, abused mentally, sexually, phys- you know, just all different kinds of abuse. Um, they didn't have parents who cared about them. Um, they uh, lived in a, a household with addicts for parents and, you know, just different things like that. And um, in this, when you get to meet these people, you, they're just different. You know, they're just like their, their mindsets are different. They, they, they look at things differently than what someone who uh, had a good lifestyle or a good life growing up, and I get to meet those people too, people who've had good parents, people who um, had money, um, they had all the friends in, in school, and they had all the factors that could go into making them a really successful and productive uh, member of society. And you would think that looking at these two different groups of people, you would think that there would be like no commonality between the two, there'd be no similarities whatsoever between the two groups, but there really is. Um, because at the basic uh, center of everything, there's a basic need to be um, together with others, to be accepted, and to be uh, loved by people, and to belong to a group. There's always that basic need. And um, I had a client this week who came in um, to my office, and this client was very um, mentally disturbed. He had been having uh, suicidal ideations and things like this and just had all kinds of intrusive thoughts, and that was his wording, was intrusive, and uh, thoughts that he just didn't want to have, and they would scare him and worry him, and he was just felt like he was alone. And so I always, being the counselor there, I always meet with these clients, and I talk with them, and I try to set up a safety plan for them, and I try to set up different things, and I try to coordinate services, because um, in our society today, we live in a place to where it's almost taboo to have mental health disorders. <laughs> like, you look at people who uh, struggle with depression, and you think, well, oh, they're crazy. They got some chemical imbalance. Or um, you look at people who have um, anxiety issues, or you look at people who, you know, who are just 
downtrodden and we just think that oh they're messed up they're crazy they're loony lock them up or you know you don't want to hang around with those type of people and unfortunately that stigma causes us to look at them differently and our society doesn't step up and meet the needs of the mentally disturbed so while I'm trying to coordinate services for this individual I'm finding it very difficult I'm finding it hard to find a place that is willing to take someone with mental health disorders and it's discouraging because in that time when our society should be able to step up and meet those needs and say, hey, I know you're messed up. I know you got problems, but listen, we're going to help you. We're going to come along beside you. We're going to do things for you. We're going to help treat your problems. We're going to help do these things. We need more places like that. But I brought him in. I let him know I finally found some place for him that would take both. And, and he didn't ask me a single question about the type of program it was. He didn't ask me um, how long it was. He didn't ask anything. He didn't ask where it was. He just asked one question. He said, will there be people there who are like me? Will there be people in this institution who are messed up like I'm messed up? Am I going to be there with people who have the same mental disabilities that I have? Am I going to be in a place to where people care about me? Like, that's what he wanted to know. And that's, our, that's how we are basically inside. That's what we want. We want somebody who's like us. That's why we get married, and that's why we have friends, because we want people in our lives who are similar to us, people who we can relate to, people who we can look at and, and, and say, hey, that person gets me. They understand me. They're here for me. And that's what life's all about. That's, that's that basic need, that need, that desire to belong and today we'll explore more about the belongingness about how it's difficult whenever you see clients or when you see people who are going through issues or or whatever it may be in life or whatever the situation may call for but seeing those people who just at the end of the day they just want to belong just like everybody else so our theme verse for this series is going to be first corinthians 9 verses 19 through 23 and if you have your bibles want to turn with me and read with me that'd be great it's first first corinthians 9 19 through 23 verse 19 says this even though i am free man this is paul speaking to the church of corinth even though i am a free man with no master i have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ when I was with the Jews I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ when I was with those who follow the Jewish law I too lived under the law even though I am not subject to the law I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in his blessings. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much for this awesome group of people. God, thank you for um, the rain, and thank you for everything that you're doing for us. Um, God, I know that 
as a church, you have blessed us so much, and we've been able to help so many people and do so many different things. But today, God, I ask that you challenge us even more. God, that you would cause us to want and desire to do more today. God, that you would prick our hearts for those who don't feel like they belong, and God, that you would help us to speak to them and to find common ground with them, and that you would give us a platform, God, to speak into their lives and bring them to you. And we know, God, that we can't win them all, but we want to win some. So help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So why do we need to belong? Studies have shown and have proven that we desire to belong, and they think, and there's no, like, guaranteed, like, this is how it is. But there are several scientists who got together and did a study, and they believe that our desire to belong uh, stems from um, ancient times, back when civilizations were just beginning and things were just now starting to form and there was villages and groups of people who had come together and there were still hunters and gatherers. And the hunters would go out and they would hunt, right? They would go get the meat, they would go shoot the whatever and bring it in, skin it, get the meat off of it and feed it to the village and share it with everyone. And then the gatherers in their group would go out and they would pick berries and fruits and veg and all these different things. So they would go out and they'd be doing this. And there, but there was those two groups of people. And I'm sure there was other groups, but the two groups they highlighted were hunters and gatherers, because they found that when one person would go hunting, that there were so many animals that they were just finding dead bodies all over the place. And so they found out very quickly that if we want to go out and we want to be safe, we have to have a large group of people. So they would go in groups. They would hunt in groups, and they would get several people together to go hunting because that would significantly raise their chances of survival if a bear or something was to attack because they didn't have guns. They didn't have all these different techniques to scare. They didn't have that, like, was it like the bear spray that they have now or something, like a... It's like a spray. You spray it and the bear runs away or something. It's kind of strange. It's like they have all these different things, but they didn't have that then. All they had was like pelts and like sticks and, you know, things like that. So they were out there doing this and they were trying to be a group of people and they realized that, hey, if we're in this group, we can take on uh, uh, something. We can scare it off or we can all fight it together. It may kill one of us, but it's not going to kill us all, you know. So they started doing that. And that sense of security went, came and for many, many, many generations after that, that has kept going in groups, kept going in groups. And scientists actually believe that the reason we have this strong desire to belong to a group today derives from that, that we still feel safe in groups. Like we still, excuse me, we still um, want to belong. We still have that commonality with people. We still want that. And so our instinct to belong uh, will cause us to uh, form new relationships. And it causes us to want to be close to others. And I told the story this morning, like, we went to the haunted house in Greenup uh, this past Friday with the scare scream team or whatever Albie calls it. I don't know what she's calling it. Scream team or something. And it's a lot of fun, I'm telling you. If you if you don't have a connection group that you're going to currently, you need to come to this one. It's so much fun. Uh, this Friday, we're actually going to be going to Fallsburg. And it's really cool. If you've never been there, it's really awesome. So we're going to be going there. And uh, there will be more details on the Facebook page. But, like, I went, and there was, a bunch of, there was a bunch of us there this week. 
And I was thinking, man, if I was in here by myself, I was already nervous going in because I was in the rear. I was bringing up the rear of the group, you know. And so I was just constantly, like, looking behind me because I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to come up behind me and scare me. I know. I'm not stupid. They're going to come up behind me, and they're going to grab me, and they're going to make me jump, and they're going to laugh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, oh, you got me, you know. So I was constantly the whole time like this, holding on Alby's hand, and like watching them, and I caught, I don't know how many of them, like sneaking around the corners, and they would see me, and they'd be like, ah. and they'd turn around and walk away, and they just kept doing that, but like, I just, I couldn't let them scare me, I couldn't do it, but I was imagining, like, what if I was alone in this? I would have to be, like, constantly trying to look everywhere, looking forward, there's something coming from in front of me, or behind me, or beside me, like, there's so many different, I'm so vulnerable by myself, but when we had that big group of people, I didn't have to worry about what was in front of me because I would have heard Leslie or somebody screaming in the front. That way I would know something's getting ready to happen. I can look this way or I can look back here and make sure I'm not going to die back here. Like, I don't want uh, Jason stabbing me in the back. You know, I don't want that. <laughs> so, so there's comfort in knowing that there's a group of people. You will be more brave in a group than you will by yourself. Guys, we, we prove this all the time. We get around a bunch of other dudes. What do we do? Stupid stuff. We, we do the crazy things, we jump things, we, we do things we should never do, things that we probably wouldn't do if there wasn't a bunch of other idiots standing around going, hey, do it, try it, you know, like, but you know, that's just how we do things, and I'm, I'll accept that, whatever. But we wouldn't do that if we were just by ourselves, but when we have that group, we have those people, man, we become real brave then, don't we? And that's how it is. When we have a group of people, we have that desire to be safe, the desire to belong and that causes us to want to be long to other people. So we all have this instinctual uh, thing in us that causes us to have a desire to uh, fit in, to be in a group of people. And we desire to fit in so badly that sometimes we change our tendencies, we change our personality types even. Sometimes um, we'll uh, become a totally different person just to fit into a group of people that we want to be with or hang out with. We'll, and you see this a lot in teenagers. You see it a lot, and not just teenagers. I see it in my work all the time. People come in, and they'll have one personality type, and then in three months, they act just like everybody else acts. They talk just like everybody else talks, or they start. everybody starts sharing the same mannerisms or that same like reaction, like the words that they use. People start saying the same phrases, and it's just it, it's weird. But we all have this desire to belong and, and, and to be together. So we begin to conform even. But how do we become all things to all people without going too far? How do we become all things to all people without going too far? Paul says, I will live outside the law to win people to Christ. What is he saying there? <laughs> is he robbing, robbing people with the robbers and, and, and murdering people with the murderers and pillaging with the pillagers and I mean what's he doing what kind of outside the law is he talking about you know I could look at that and I could almost justify well hey if he's living outside the law maybe I can go do that too and just say I'm winning people you know like Dusty's drunk again he's just winning people you know he's just out there winning people you know it's no big deal but you know just something like that like like how far are you willing to go to win others to Christ what are you willing to do to win people to Christ, and when's the last time you even thought about that? Like, how far am I willing to go? What am I willing to do? What am I willing to give up? You know, Paul even says, though, that there is a limit. 
he says, I don't, I don't live outside of God's law. He's like, I still follow the law of Christ. I may live outside the Jewish law or something like that, but I'm not going to live outside of what God says. And if you're ever thinking to yourself, well, how do I know if I'm getting ready to go too far? The way to know is just stay read up on your Bible. If you're doing something that is contradictory to what the Bible is saying, that's not good. <laughs> like, you've gone too far. And so God's not going to put you in a situation to win others. He's not going to put you in that situation when you're contradicting what he says. Now, you may, you know, hang out with the, with the people that, you know, you wouldn't typically hang out with or people that are, you know, maybe you do hang out with uh, alcoholics or drunks or, or, or maybe you do hang out with this different group of people that you're not, and that's okay. Like, that's okay. Does everybody know that that's okay? That's okay. But don't live outside of God's law. You know, follow what the Bible says. Be, don't be contradictory to it. And so that's how you know if you've gone too far. If, you, if you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing and, and the, something that the Bible says you shouldn't be doing, that's a good rule of thumb that you are not doing what God wants you to do. Um, so what does it look like to become all things to all people? You know, making others feel safe is very important. Making others feel uh, accepted, welcomed. Um, Paul, I love what he says in the chapter. He says, I become like the weak because I want to bring the weak to Christ. I become like the weak. And I know for a lot of people, it's hard to show weakness a lot of times. It's hard to show, like, I'm not doing real well. It's hard to show that. But Paul says, man, I'll become like the weak because I, I want to bring the weak to Christ because that's where they're going to find healing. That's where they're going to find a, a, a reason to live, and that's why they're going to. That's where they're going to find purpose in life. That's what I want to bring them to Christ. That's that's what I want to do. Because those people feel alone. People who are are living in these lifestyles, they they feel like their sin has just taken over everything, and that's what sin does. It makes us feel secluded. That's what our, our, our messy lives do to us. We feel like, well, I'm the only person in this world going through this situation. Nobody else understands what I'm going through. Nobody will get it. I'm alone. Nobody cares. These are the things that sin will make you feel. Not just sin, but just doing things, living in a lifestyle. That will make you feel like you're alone. It secludes you. It takes you away from others. So one way to gain common ground with others is to accept them for who they are. You know, accept people for who they are. People are messed up. Anybody in here messed up? Anybody in here got a messy life? Everybody in here got perfect lives? I mean, I do. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't. I don't have a perfect life. But, you know, people say, I don't want to go to church. There's too many hypocrites in that church. People acting like they got it all together, acting like everything's great, and then they go out and they do all this and they do all that. Yeah, who's heard that? Everybody's heard this story a hundred times. And if you haven't heard it personally, you've heard a, a, a preacher say it. There are so many people who are afraid to come to church because there's hypocrites in the church. How do you stop that? How do you stop the stigma of the hypocritical church? One thing that I would pose to the church is just be real. Stop trying to act like you're something that you're not. Stop trying to act like everything's okay when it's not. You know, I'm in a very uh, angry mood today. Just let you know, 
I, I may have a smile on my face right now, but I'm telling you, man, I'm just not in a good mood right now. I've had a rough week, and I got out of church, and my tire on my truck is going flat because I have a nail in it. And I'm like, one more thing, just one more thing, just one more thing. Like, come on, bring it on. What, what else is there going to be? You know, like, just what else can there possibly Come on. I was just so angry driving all the way to church, and I'm sitting there praying, like, God, come on. Give me just one break this week, <laughs> like one time. But that's me today. That's real. I don't have it together. I don't have things figured out, man. Like, things are rough sometimes. Life sucks sometimes. And we're all going through different things, but then we come to church on Sunday, and everything's perfect. Amen. We argue all the way to church with our spouse, and then we get in here, and we're like, everything's great. Amen. Everything's fantastic. Amen. And the family's doing great. Uh-huh. And the kids are good. Yeah. And there's food. Like, everything's perfect, but that's not, that's not real, man. Why not come in with a... Why not come in and be real? Come in and let people know. Like I had a friend come in who I went to high school with. He came into church this morning at the Bansford campus, and, and I asked him, I said, how was your week? Because I just genuinely wanted to know. And I expected an answer like, I was good. I had a good week. But no, he was like, man, I had a really tough week. I had a really stressful week at work. And he went into all these different things that went wrong at work, all these different positions that he had to feel that he don't typically have to feel because he's IT. He had all these different things that went wrong at work, and he just had a terrible week. And I was like, dude, that's real. Like, that, that's what I want to, like, I don't want to hear that because that sucks for him. But, like, man, it's comforting to know that I wasn't the only person this week who had it rough. You know what I mean? Like, there's comfort in knowing that, and there's comfort in knowing that people aren't perfect, and they can come to a church that, isn't perfect and they can sit in a group of people that aren't perfect and they can look to a God who is perfect and they can find solace in knowing that hey I got Jesus man like I know that things are going to be messed up now but guess what they're going to be okay because I can pray to my father in heaven and he still cares for me and he still loves me and he still wants me to do well and he wants things to go well for me like that's real that's a real thing and that's what we have to do as a church to break that stigma to allow people to know that they can come here and just be real. Because guess what? You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. Let's just be messed up together. You know what I mean? Let's just be messed up together. God will make amazing moves in this church when his people start being real. Craig Groeschel always says that people would rather follow someone who's always real rather than follow someone who's always right. And if you think about that, man, that's true. I would much rather follow someone who's being honest with me and being real with me and being a human being rather than trying to live up to some kind of weird expectation as someone who's always right and perfect and everything's great. Because that's not real. And when you're trying to chase that, that's when you fall to all these different Uh, you know, depressions and anxieties and all these different things. Like, I'm not meeting the standard. I'm not meeting up to what everybody else is doing. We start to fall into that rat race type mentality. But, man, I'd rather follow someone who's real, who's going through life, rather than someone who's always right, and be able to witness to people in that way by showing people that, hey, 
I'm not, I don't have it together, but you can come to church with me anyway. We can just, we can try to figure it out together, you know. <laughs> like, let's be together. But instead, we always want to wait until it's most convenient for us <laughs> to evangelize. And I was telling a story this morning, like, it's something I've said a lot is when I'm trying to witness to others, I've been talking to friends and be like, you know what, but I'm just waiting for them to say something about Jesus. I'm waiting for them to say something about church. I'm just waiting. And as soon as they do, I'm pouncing on them, man. I'm going to be like, I'm just going to go in after them. As soon as they mention something about anything, I'm just going to jump. But then I'm like not steering the conversation toward that. I'm just talking. I'm just talking. And then after we walk away from each other, I'm like, shoot, I didn't get a chance to, to, to witness to him or or her, or whatever, I didn't get that chance, but it was my fault. <laughs> like, I, I didn't try to steer that conversation, but I was waiting for it to be a convenient for me, and, and oftentimes as Christians, that's what we do. We'll, we'll witness to others when it's convenient. We'll, we'll talk about uh, Jesus when, it, when it's right, and it's in the room, and, and other people are like us, and yeah, yeah, God is good. You're right. He is good, and, uh, but are we doing it just because? Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others so that they will see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Let your light shine. And I always think about the old little kid's song of this little light of mine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. But only when it's convenient for me. Only when it's convenient for me, I'll let it shine. I'll let people see it when, when it's convenient for me to do that. I want Bethesda to be a church that witnesses to people even when it's not convenient. I want Bethesda people to be a people who are willing to reach others even when it's not convenient for them to reach others. To be real even when it's hard sometimes to be real. When do we feel the most desire to invite others to church? When do you think, like, oh, man, I need to invite people to church right now? Like, when, when is that for you? Or just, anybody got any? Like, when's something that you would invite somebody to when it comes to church? Events. Events. Like, uh, we have a missions convention coming up. Anybody going to invite somebody to missions convention coming up? Yeah. 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 It'd be good. Missions convention's awesome. Um, it's a great time. And there's going to be awesome families here, awesome missionary families. And it's going to be a great time. They're going to, it's just going to be great. The, the youth is playing on the daggone thing. It's going to be great, all right? You're going to have a great time, I guarantee it. And if you don't, it might be a train wreck. But guess what? The missionaries are going to be here, and they're going to have fun, and we're going to love on them, and we're going to feed them, and we're going to learn from them, and we're going to talk with them. We're going to be real with them, and that's just what we're going to do. But I have all confidence in our youth group. They're going to plan an awesome event. And that's something that we invite people to, right? When there's events. But shouldn't we be a church that invites people just when there isn't an event? Like, don't you want to be that church that just invites people all the time? Like, like we're excited about church this Sunday. Uh, what's going on? Nothing. It's just church. Like, we're just, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be a lot of people there. There's going to be an awesome sermon by Pastor Ben, and, and everything's going to go really, really well. It's going to be awesome. You, you just come. It's going to be great. There doesn't have to be a dinner after to invite somebody. You know what I mean? Like, there doesn't have to be 
something going on for us to want to invite others. That's when it's most convenient, though, is when we have something to offer back to them. If you come, then I can give you food. Or if you come, then you'll have this awesome time. But, man, if you come, you'll find people who are just like you. <laughs> you'll find people who are, are going through life like you are and trying, to, and trying to find Jesus in it. And so that's what we should be. I want Bethesda to be that kind of church. Another time that we start to really invite other people, I've noticed, is when our attendance is down. Like you walk in and you see less people than what you're used to seeing. And you hear their little rumors like, oh, there are not very many people. And then sometimes when we start service, there's like maybe six people in the room. <laughs> and then after like we start a couple of songs, like everybody rushes in, then there's lots of people. But in that moment, right in the beginning, you're kind of thinking, is this it? <laughs> like, is, is this all there's going to be? So we start to, we start to get frantic, don't we? We start to think, oh, now we got to start inviting people. We got to plan some kind of something. We got to do something. I got to get out in the community and, and drum up another event and, and get something going. I have to do something. Like we start to get really frantic whenever the seats are kind of empty. And then the seats kind of fill up a little bit like this, and it's like, hey, this is, this is good. This is nice. And then we kind of go back into maintenance mode, and we kind of get comfy, and then we stop inviting, and then we just sit here, and we come to church, and we hear this sermon, and just, and then we look around like, oh, the seats are empty again. Let's, oh, we better get something going. We better get something going. We better get an event. We better get, and then it's all over again. It's a terrible cycle. And I don't want to be that church. Like, I don't, I don't want to be that church. I want to be the church that this isn't good enough. I want to be the church that says, this isn't enough people. We need to continue to be inviting people. We need to be continuing because guess what? There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who woke up in Lewis County this morning without purpose in life. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who woke up without a church to go to. There are hundreds of people who are going through terrible terrible things in their life and they need someone who know, who can be real with them who can say hey yeah life sucks but guess what come here and we can help you we can be here together with you we can do things with you but that that'd be too much that'd be too inconvenient but we have to be better as a church of looking and saying listen it's not about just for comfort it's about winning people to christ paul said i'll do anything I'll do anything. You name it, I'll do it. Like, I'll, I'll do anything to win people to Christ. Like, I'm doing it. Like, I'm out here in the battlefields. I'm doing the thing. I'm, this is what my life is. What are we willing to do as a church? I want Bethesda to be that church that evangelizes the people even when the numbers aren't down. We should be constantly inviting people. We should be constantly doing things to help others and letting people know that we're real and we're here and that we love people and that we're willing to serve and that we're willing to do what's necessary. And I believe that that's who we are. That's in our DNA as Bethesda people. Like, that's who this group of people is. Yeah, we get comfortable sometimes. We get uh, downtrodden sometimes and we get everything's okay. Let's just let's back off for a second. But guess what? In the DNA of who we are, we are a helpful group of people who are willing to go outside these walls and do what's necessary to help our community, to help the people in the community, to do what's necessary. That's who we are. I'm just asking that we do more of it. I'm not saying that this church is not doing well. We are doing awesome, guys. I'm just saying we could do better. There's always room for improvement. 
especially when it comes to winning people to Christ. There's always room for improvement. There's always another person who's waking up and they're going to hell. Like, that's life. That's real. Until someone witnesses to them, until someone reaches out to them, they're going to hell. And that's on us. I know this is heavy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just real, man. It's just the realness of it. And I would rather be real than fake. I'd rather be real about it. If you guys will stand with me today. Paul said, I want to win people. I want to win them. I want to go out there and get them. I want to let them know that there's someone there. I want to do this. I want to win the week. And when Jesus finally departed and he went back to heaven, he left his disciples. He said, listen, I'm going. And I need you to go and be witnesses to people, disciple them, baptize them. I need you to do that. I'll be with you. Don't worry. I'll be with you. I got your back. Like, if something goes wrong, I'm here for you. If you have questions, I'll answer them. Like, I'm here. I'm here with you, but I need you to take the lead. I need you to go above and beyond. I need you to do the things that are necessary to win people to Christ. And that's our job, church. That's us. That's, that's Bethesda's job. That's what we are called to do. We're called to win people. We're called to become all things to all people so that we can win some. We, we're not going to win all of Lewis County. We're just not going to do it. But we're going to win some. I'm determined to win some. Are you determined to win some? I want to see more people come to Jesus and know Him and serve others. I want to see that. So if you guys will pray with me today. Father God, I thank you for this awesome church. I thank you for a calling, God. I thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives as far as helping us serve the community, God, and helping us be in the community. But today, God, I just want us to do more. Like, I just want you to call us to more. I want you to, to just have us want to be all things to all people so that we can win some, God. I, just, I, want, I want us to have a desire in our hearts this morning, God. Give us that desire. Give us that. Help us, Jesus, to witness to people. Give us a platform to speak on, God. Give us the words to say. Give us the things to do. Let us just be real and with people. We love you so much. We, we appreciate you, God. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.